I danced in the morning when the world was begun And I danced in the moon and the stars and the sun And I came down from heaven and I danced on the earth At Bethlehem I had my birth Dance then wherever you may be I am the Lord of the dance, said he And I'll lead you all wherever you may be And I'll lead you all in the dance, said he I danced for the scribe and the Pharisee But when they would not dance and they would not follow me I danced for the fishermen, for James and John They came with me and the dance went on Dance then wherever you may be I am the Lord of the dance, said he And I'll lead you all wherever you may be And I'll lead you all in the dance, said he I danced on the Sabbath and I cured the lame The holy people said it was a shame They whipped and they stripped and they hung me on high And they left me there on a cross to die Dance then wherever you may be Alrighty, welcome to Wednesday Night Musical Osmosis Where intelligent, dissident thought meets melodic, euphonious reality I am your magnanimous Musical host, Nick the Saucy One Catsaurus, broadcasting to you live from the shadow of Hurricane Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my percussively proficient co-host, calling all the way in from Charm City, Maryland, my pal Odell Norman. What is up, my friend? What's going on, man? Nothing. If you're wondering um, what enchanting siren song that was, that is Mormo. (laughs) Singing Lord of the Dance, quite disturbing, actually. Uh, yes. But I, it was the only musically thing I could find related to Mormo to start the show with. I go. dug it up on an old YouTube video. So, dance, dance, dance. All right, hiding in the background, as always, lurking in the shadows, is our Maven domestic producer who keeps the train, yep, not the yep. train, the musical osmosis train, chucking, chucking. Chugging? Chugging along. Wow. Yes, Are you back Mani- there? Man- maniacal, uh, skulking background. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. Speaking of um, Trump trains, I just have this oh, picture boy. in my head of this cartoon Trump train and just like gay people, black people, Muslim people, Mexican people, and his big, bold, orange face on the front of a train chugging up a hill going, I think you can't. I think you can't. And just telling everybody what they can't do. Somebody should make that. I should get that as a tattoo across my back. Would you, you still go. love me, D? If I got the I, Trump train, I think you can't tattoo. Of course I and would. You gotta get that. But I would. And you have to get that strongly, gaudy red hat too that he always puts on. Oh yeah. Yeah, I would strongly advise against it. Strongly. And it's like Thomas the train will be like sideways and smoldering, like dead on the side of the tracks. Trump is just like ran. Ramrodded, fucking through everybody, all the other little toy trains. <laughs> Somebody yeah, told me today I was going to get ran over. They said I'm a communist because I don't uh, support Trump. And if you're not on the Trump train, you're going to get ran over by the Trump train. Well, I was oh, like, boy. all right. So you so oh, basically boy. 70% of Americans are going to get ran over by the Trump train. They're the only yeah, true Americans. What a burden they must have. <laughs> Being the only true uh, Americans, the Trump supporters, they're the only ones that are really true Americans. All right, let's move on to something <laughs> a little less disturbing than Trump. You may regret that tattoo if you do get that. I'm just telling you, you may regret that tattoo in a couple of years. I regret nothing, Odell. What have I ever regretted <laughs> in my life, ever? I feel I feel a cover-up coming on that one, but <laughs> Yeah, no, no regrets here, pal. I'm going to my death with a clean slate, regret-free. All right, so let's talk about something less depressing than Trump. Let's talk about deaths. I pulled up some of the um, craziest celebrity deaths, not celebrity musicians, I guess, musicianal celebrities, people that are fairly well-known, although I didn't hear of of a lot of these guys. Um, The first one I got was Johnny Ace, who who frequently plays. He's an old blues legend. I had never heard of him. He's not on my radar. But um, he frequently played Russian roulette. He said he was so good at it that he knows exactly which chamber the bullet stops in when it spins. Christmas Day, 1954, he was wrong. Boom. Goodbye, Johnny. Backstage. 
Oh, was it backstage? backstage? A concert too. Yeah. Wow. I did not yeah, know that. Backstage. Wow. How, good you, how, how, how are you? How are you the, the, the you know the announcer or whatever that has to come out and say, uh, uh, Mr. Ace isn't playing today or tomorrow or, or the day after? Uh, so uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how do you go about? Explaining that I mean, I'm bro. sure they don't say, hey, this dumbass just shot himself playing Russian roulette in the back. I'm sure they just say he took ill, you know, back in those days, mm-hmm. they probably said something like that. His rheumatism was acting up or something. He was suffering <laughs> from an ailment. All right. So the next one. Oh, let me just add this. What kind of personality do you think it takes to play Russian roulette? Whew. Man. All right. Mm. I don't. Yeah. Think a lot of the cats <laughs> on the Trump train like to play Russian roulette. I, 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 I can see them. I can, I can see them. I can see that whole group being very much whatever he says they do, and then he would just go about doing something totally different when they would all. Yeah, there's something very similar <laughs> about the sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, let's Harvey. Guitarist for Stone the Crows. I ran into a lot of these. Electrocuted by his microphone. Yeah. That was Lots wild, of electrocution. Man. And then um, another one, the guy from the Yardbirds. Lead singer of the Yardbirds, um, Keith Relf. Am I saying that right? Relf, yeah. Also a victim yep. of accidental electrocution while on stage. Is this something? I remember when we did that on uh, Wilmer's Park show, and it started raining, and there wasn't a whole lot of cover. Is this something that's always on your mind when you're playing in places like Wilmer's? I don't know. I don't, you don't think about it. I know Well, you guys would know more than I would because uh, you had the microphones in front of you uh, more so. But, you know, like the shock that you guys would get every now and then depending on where you're playing. Because I remember, I think it was Heisman's all the time. There used to be an issue there. It was like every time you put your mouth up to the microphone, it was like, ah, it would just shock you. It keeps shocking yeah. you. And then finally somebody was like, Put a sock over it or put something else over it. Little do you know that there could be something more <laughs> in depth, you know, if your hands are wet or, or you, you know, you just drank a beer and you put it down and you touched it. Oh, it's, you never know, you know, especially some of the places we play. <laughs> there was, yeah, and there was a lot of them. I mean, there was quite a few guys who checked out by getting electrocuted. And I just thought that, I, yeah. I thought the roadies, and people have been doing this so long. Music is electrical music has been around so long that it wouldn't happen as often as it does, especially with you know pretty high class bands that you would think would have their shit together. Get to get it down, yeah, definitely. So, um, so Avajay, the singer, he's of course he's Finnish black metal band. The vocalist of Surrender, Surrender to Divinity. He was stabbed to death because he's a Satan singer. He's a big, scary Satanist guy. And he was stabbed by one of his Satanist fans because he wasn't Satanist enough. He just wasn't Satan-y enough for his Satanist fans. So the guy snuck into his house and fucking stabbed him to death in his sleep for not being scary enough. What's up with this Finnish black metal thing? I I don't understand it. I have no clue. I've heard... So, I mean, what, what was the one band that was uh, uh, the, the, they were basically going to kill themselves on stage or they were going to lock oh, themselves up? Oh, Gigi Allen? No, not Gigi Allen. This was like recently. This was like a year or two ago. They were like on a particular date. They were going to kill themselves and, and like shoot a video of it or something like that. It was something crazy, but it was one of those like uh, black like death metal type bands from over there. Yeah, it was basically they they said we're gonna video, but I don't know if it was stopped or what happened. But they were saying that for a while, and a lot of people actually thought they were gonna go through with it and actually film yeah, it. I did not hear about that. I'll have to look that up yeah. for the next show. Okay, Dennis yeah. Wilson <laughs> of the Beach Boys died while driving yeah. drunk, or not driving drunk, diving drunk. Diving um, drunk, yeah. Yeah, jumped off his yacht and drowned. And there was a lot of drownings in these too. And that was another one that was surprising. A lot of these guys um, like to swim drunk. And we know about Marvin Gaye. That's one I knew before. His father shot him, which is this crazy. It's always crazy Crazy. when, like, Phil Hartman's wife shot him because she was jealous. Marvin Gaye's father shot him because he was jealous. 
Like it's crazy, mm-hmm. right? When somebody in your family is more successful than you, and then you've got so much hate. So much hate on you, yeah. And then apparently, I think they had a big altercation, and and of course Marvin Gaye had a drug problem too. So a lot, a lot of people, I think they said that tied into it too that he came and was attacking him, yeah, looking for money because it's wild stuff, man. Wow. Um, Michael Hutchins from NXS. Yes. Oh, I just found little... out that he checked out the same way um, autoerotic asphyxiation, which I knew yeah. that, but I just found out what's his name. Oh, the guy we were talking about a few weeks ago, D, the guy from um, Kill Bill, the old guy from Kung Oh, David Fusion. Carradine. Yeah, Terry, David Carradine. David Carradine yeah. checked out the same yeah. way, too. Yeah, they both died the same way. Yeah, not and it was and if you look at it, I think the I, the, the span of it wasn't too far off either. I mean, I think David Carradine was after Michael Hutchins, but it, it was like, wait, wait a minute, is this something? Is this like the new thing? Or because we just saw the new sensation? Ah, see what I did there? <laughs> yeah, I saw it. <laughs> and that was good. Like Ralph the Mouse said, yeah. uh, I still got it. There you go. <laughs> All right, let's see what we got next here. Well, my computer's freezing up. D, while I'm trying to solve this computer issue, tell us who we got coming up on I'm the no show. Way. Okay. Well, uh, we've got magician Steve Trash coming up, comedian Paul Goebbels coming back, ventriloquist Christine Barger, and, of course, our super big guest here in just a couple weeks is from Cinderella. We are going to have Tom Kiefer on the air. Uh, in addition, we do have our 100th episode uh, looming in the distance, and we will have our buddy John Lear calling back, Rachel from King of the Nerds, um, William Sanderson's calling in. We will announce the winner of our Super Dupa Kettle of Fish prize pack, which is amazingly huge at the moment. Keep in mind, you've got just over 24 hours to enter, go over to facebook.com slash KOF show and click on the giveaway tab. Super simple, easy, and you can enter to win. Oh, my gosh. Um, we've got signed T-shirts, a signed poster, of course, a kettle and fish-related items because it's four kettle of fish, um, a DVD, some CDs, and not audio CDs. like the, uh, Well, of course, audio. Not like music CDs. These are like comedy CDs. Comedy but, CDs, but the cool yeah. Kind. Yeah, and let's see, T-shirts, I mean, we just got in some stuff today from, yeah, we just got in some stuff today from Vermin Supreme, who is, was, whatever, an official presidential candidate. Presidential uh, candidate, yeah. Yeah, so he sent us like a bunch, like a bunch. I was like, man, this could have been a prize on its own. Like, and it wasn't cow. all, yeah, all Vermin Supreme related. He just grabbed mm-hmm. random shit. He sent a T-shirt, and he <laughs> said he was going to send a T-shirt, and that's what I was expecting. Of course, naive of me to expect anything ordinary from Vermin. And I get this big <laughs> package in the mail today, and I open it up, and he just like bizarre shit. Just like shit he found like in a thrift shop, I think, and just signed and sent it to me. Like some weird like VHS, and then you open it, and it's there's nothing in it except for like styrofoam, and it's signed. Like just oh, weird, wow. bizarre stuff, and I love it. I love Vermin. All right, let's move on while Dee does her um, behind-the-scenes stuff. This one's sad, man. Um, spirit guitarist, Randy California. He died yeah. drowning in a riptide, but he died while trying to save his son. Yeah. Yeah. His son escaped. Now, tell me how bad this would fuck with you if you were – it doesn't say how old he was. i got to assume he's you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. Imagine you're 10 years old. Your dad swims out to save your life because you're being careless or whatever, and he saves you but dies in and the boat. Yeah. How bad do you think that's got to mess you up? What kind of baggage are you carrying the rest of your life when that happens? For a long time. Yeah, that's something that uh, – I, uh, because even if it was, even if it was something simple, you know, you still, depending on how, especially how old, if, if, it's one thing if you're, if you, if your parent isn't a celebrity, and 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 you're still hearing about it just from like your family or, but now you're gonna have to hear about it from the mass, 
the mask Miguel. too. Hey, weren't you the son of so and so? Oh, it's the tenth yeah. anniversary of his death. Can we have an interview for yeah. Spin on how you like caused your father's death? That's got to be yep. great, yep. right? Every year, getting those fucking calls from the press and the paparazzi. Over and over and over again, you know that too. So. Now, all right, um, we got more on the line, so I'll touch on a couple of these again real quick. Jeff Buckley, once again, age of 30, yeah. Brown. That was really uh, well. Dimebag Daryl, lots of Dimebag Daryl, yeah, yeah. Shot by crazy fan, point blank. That How many age. people, like I don't understand this uh, Mark David Chapman type syndrome of shooting do they shoot these guys because they're jealous of them? Do they shoot them because they let them down? Do they shoot them because they want to be them and the world's not big enough for two dime bag personalities? Well, I know for dime bag, I think the dude that shot him, if I'm not mistaken, it was because he was mad that um, he thought dime bag was the reason why Pantera broke up, if I'm not mistaken. Because dime bag there was in another, he was playing in, um, uh, what's the other band? that he was in with his brother, which is even crazier because Benny Paul, the drummer for them, is literally watched his brother die on stage. I mean, he was the first one to get up and, and come to his aid when it all happened. But he was at a – I forgot the name of the other band that it was. It was another band opposite of Pantera, and Pantera was going through some stuff. Damage Plan. actually broken up. Damage Plan. I was about to say Damage Control or something, and I was like, I know it's Damage something. But, yeah, yeah, so uh, – yeah, Did his brother ever play drums again? Like, can you play drums yes. again after something like that? I think I think his I think his brother's playing in, in, a, in a band now with um, uh, I can't remember who else, but it's pretty known dudes that he's playing with. But um, it took a while, like he it took a while apparently, and um, which obviously it's going to. But I couldn't imagine that being on stage, and then you know, I mean, if you think about it, Dimebag Daryl and Vinnie Paul, they've been playing together forever. Because Pantera started, I remember they were like a hair metal band when they first started uh-huh. out, and all of a sudden, yeah, and they flipped the script, and they, I mean, they were, they were nasty, they were a nasty band, but, you know, they had their issues, but that's your brother, man, and so I couldn't imagine just watching, you know, is this for real, is this really happening right now? That, yeah, it's you, a lot of process. Yeah, I, um I've got a few more, but I don't want to leave more on the line. Let me just do this last one. Uh, Jerry Fuchs, drummer for Mezzarita. Never even heard of those guys. But oh, the only Maserati, reason I'm, yeah. Is it, oh, it's a Maserati. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. well, anyways, died. This is like something out of a game of Clue. He fell down an elevator shaft. Yeah. Yeah, they said uh, his apparently his clothes got caught. Uh, when he tried to jump out of the lift that was stuck between two floors. Yes, I, oh. that is crazy. Oh my How many people a year do you think fall down an elevator shaft? Oh, my goodness. Yes, he, yeah, and, and right. it's probably one of those things. I mean, you've seen them in, in the clubs. Black Hat has the elevator and stuff. You just manually yeah. pull up, and you're just doing the normal thing. Hey, like, all right, let me just hop on out, and, and then your clothes get caught, and he pulls you back down. Uh that is insane. Woo. All right, yeah. let, let's move on to Mormo. So let me do the setup like I do every episode. Um, here's yeah. what happened. So I got a Roku box, and a lot of people haven't heard of it, and I was actually singing the praises of Roku about two years ago. I ran across one. I think I actually went out and looked for one because I saw something that was like, we're on Roku, and I was like, what the hell is that to Danielle? And she's like, well, you know, it's like a little box where you get Netflix and all these little channels for free with it. And I was like, cool, let's do that. And I think it's going to replace cable, honestly, services like Smart TV and Roku eventually. And, you know, I posted about it, and everybody's like, what's Roku? And I was like, you know what, dude? I've got Netflix for 7 bucks a month. I got Hulu for 7 bucks a month. I don't want you to know what Roku is because as soon as that catches on, Netflix is going to be like $40 a month. So you know what? I'm not even going to – praise Roku anymore, because as soon as it catches on, you know the prices are going to skyrocket. But anyways, I always go through about once a week, because I'm so, like, OCD and scatterbrained, like I'm running a million miles an hour. I'm hyperactive all the time. 44 years old, I'm still fucking bouncing off the walls like Mike Myers' hyperactive teen from Saturday Night Live. I'm always, like, (laughs) jumping around. In fact, the other day, I put on some unknown profits, I don't know if you are, you know those guys. Sludge is a singer. Have you ever heard okay. of them, dudes? 
And um, no, no, no. Like I was grooving with them. I had all this like just nervous energy in me, and I was jumping up and down in the house so hard that my daughter's light bulbs, two of her light bulbs, came out of the fucking fixtures and broke. Oh wow! Downstairs. And she's like, what are you doing up there? You're shaking the light bulbs out of my fixtures. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, man. I just had to get this out of my system. Anyways, back to Ruku. <laughs> so um, I'm flipping through, and I see this channel. It says Punk Rock Mormozine. And I was like, what the hell is this? And I put it on, and I am mesmerized by this guy. And the content's all over the place, right? It's not just one thing. The content is crazy. It's like self-help stuff. And it's got documentaries, and it's got mm-hmm. like just YouTube type rants, and it's got little. Um, they're not really horror movies; they're more like vignettes, like just little fifteen-minute little horror ditties. And I was like, mm-hmm. "Wow, I got to get this guy on the show!" So I reached out to him, and we're gonna talk to him because he is really a self-made ghoul who has just built this from the ground up. And I respect, you know, I like to get people on the show like last episode with Alex White, who are really yeah. just like pounding the pavement and just building stuff from the ground up and kind of saying, hey, I know there's a system out there, but I'm going to do and this. Hitting it from all angles, too, that, which is yep. amazing, too. Getting so it from all angles. Let's get Mormo in here. Uh, my computer's running slow tonight. There it is. Mormo, what's up? Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. Hey, yeah. Dad, what's up, man? No problem. I'm doing great. <laughs> hey, good, let good. me ask you right off the bat. Well, I'm not even going to ask. I'm going to tell you something off the bat before I even dig into the interview. I feel like I've had very little contact with you on Facebook. I didn't even know you a month ago. Uh, but I feel like I already know you from watching your videos. I mean, you really put yourself out there. And I don't feel like there's any wall between you and the audience. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I love it. And then... And then those videos are just like assets, you know what I mean? You make them once, and then you can just show them over and over again, and it's 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 really fun. <laughs> right, right on. Well, look, I want to thank you for calling in. I'm looking through all these. You heard the intro. Much like me, you're a guy who's had a lot of personal obstacles in your life. You kind of built this thing from the ground up, and I mean the stuff on, like everything you've done. You've done your YouTube videos. You've done Roku um, which is hard because me and Danielle tried to get our show on Roku for months and couldn't hit all the little matrix. They were so picky. Um, you've oh, published wow. scenes. You've made short films, uh, punk rock documentaries. You've done magic, movie reviews, interviews. You played a huge part in the local punk scene. Like me, you're running a thousand miles an hour. Are you? Is this what's keeping you sane? Is always having something to focus on? Or is being in this chaotic punk rock world actually make, I know you've had issues with mental health. Is it, is it making it harder on your mental health issues because you're in such a chaotic environment? Or is it like, it, hey, this is what's keeping me centered because I'm focused on so many different things I love? It keeps me centered because it's the work, you know what I mean? It's just my work ethic. Like, it keeps me busy. I like to have a job and get my bills paid and everything, but then have my own business on the side where I can put my effort and my creativity into it. And um, it really does help. Um, even even I've, I've made, I've reached out for my mental health issues and everybody's very supportive and everything. And, uh, and um, it's just, it's just something really fun I do. It does kind of affect my dating, though, because uh, the last girl I had over to my house, I put my makeup on and, and videotaped her and had her pop her top and everything on video. And then, like, she didn't come around <laughs> for a little bit after that. But, but things are back good now, and, and we're seeing each other again. So, Well, hey, there you go. That's someone to hold on to. There. That's a keeper, right, Odell? There you go. There you go. Especially for a first date. I, I got arrested once on a first date, date yeah. with April. Oh, my remember? gosh. Back at, at IHOP. Got into a fucking yes. fist fight with a cop at a fucking IHOP. First date. That was interesting. <laughs> and we ended up dating yes. for like two years. So, you know, love yep. finds you. Yep. What's going to find you, I guess. All right. So let me ask you this then. Which piece of the Mormo media empire are you mo- most passionate about? 
the filmmaking, the self-help, the you know being involved in the punk scene. What, which one of these is what really like? If you could just do one full time, twenty four seven, what are you most passionate about? It would probably be video. I actually have a VHS tape video on my shoulder or, or tattoo rather, and uh, and I've been obsessed with video my whole life. And um, making the videos is what I want to do the most. I have a, a green screen up in my room and. Um, and I'm just always plotting and scheming on how I'm going to make my next video and how it's going to be a little better than the last one. And, um, and, and that's what, that's what I'm super passionate about. So. Is it pretty equal or does everything kind of take a backseat to the video process or do you try to say, okay, I've done video long enough. I need to do some like movie reviews or I need to go over here and do this piece with music and whatever. Or does it just flow however you need it to flow at that particular time? Um, yeah, it, I'm, I'm just open to anything, um, it, like doing reviews and stuff. I actually got some zines in the mail recently, and I got an album and stuff, and I, and I need to write a review because I, I did do blogging for quite a bit and had quite a bit of success with that too. Um, and it's, it's like... Uh, Somebody described me as somebody who shows my love to underground talent and stuff that is too weird for everybody else. Like, like um, I, I like to really show my appreciation for people's artworks, just like you're doing with your show. And um, and people are so um, are so happy to, to have anybody take interest in them, and uh, and so. And so uh, that's a big part of it too. And you're also and you've been doing it from day one too, right? Um, yeah, like the bands helping out the bands and mm-hmm. and everything, and um, and I made such great friendships. Like you said, we haven't we've only been talking for like a month now, but but I feel I feel like like a friendship there, and listening to your shows, and I can see. Uh, your passion, musical osmosis, as far as like getting the word out there about underground artists and people just coming up. You should hear our Sunday show when we mix it up in politics. You want to hear us get passionate? Oh boy, <laughs> this is nothing compared to Sunday. We're having verbal fist fights on the air. Oh my gosh. <laughs> But you know, when I when when I'm checking out your stuff, it seems like something very natural and comfortable. And and I don't do this much. I think I finally figured out how to do it um, because I had them all, all in like a separate folder. And I was like, let me find the even Steven album. I'm going to send it to Mormo, and I want him to take a listen to it. So you just have that kind of energy where people are like, I want to know what you think. And that's why I sent you over our music because I was like, man, I really want to know what he thinks because he's such a creative guy. I want to see what's the only other person I've sent our music to was Joey Vindictive. And I was like, let me see what this guy thinks because he's so creative. I want to see how he perceives mm-hmm. this music. Yeah. And, and to me, it's your music was just the exactly what I want from punk rock, like fast, short songs uh, with the high energy. And, and, uh, and I, and I definitely loved it. So right on. I remember our first show we played, we had four songs. They were about a half minute to a minute long a piece, and this guy came out of the bathroom, and he's like, when are you guys going on? And we're like, no, we're breaking down. We already played. He's like, what are you talking about you already played? I just went to the bathroom. I was like, yeah, our set only lasted like six minutes. That was like our very first show at Heisman, too, Dell. I don't know. Were you oh, at, you're at that show, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. And Odell played yeah, that- for us for a while, too. Drums, like everybody I know, has been in our band at some point. <laughs> yeah, I've been in there a couple times. <laughs> yeah, that live punk energy just I was hooked the first time I felt it and I always felt like if somebody could bottle that punk show atmosphere uh, they'd be a millionaire you know what I mean and I haven't gotten there oh my yet gosh, yeah. But... yeah oh my goodness you're not lying on that alright well we talked about most passionate projects which project are you the most proud of what do you want as your epitaph like inscribed on your tombstone I know you thought about your tombstone. Um, yeah, I, I have. Yeah, and uh, and 
And uh, it's just all of it. I was just describing myself today as like a personality that my art is just kind of this personality that I have. And, uh, and, um, and I'm pretty proud of all of it. I, I, I do miss the paper net. Like, uh, like I, I really felt like I made some great friendships when I was involved in the paper net as far as like receiving actual physical, physical products in the mail. Right. And, and I'm also, I've been a best selling author on Amazon. I, mm-hmm. I, um, I turned my paper zine into an Amazon ebook and, um, enough people wanted it that I became the number one bestseller in the punk genre. Oh, nice. So nice. I'm, yeah. So I'm pretty proud of that. And, um, and it's just, you know, one of the things I'm most proud of, there was this band called the Reservoir Tips. And okay. they they had been playing in San Diego for five years. And one day they called me and they said, uh, do you have a photograph of our, of our band on stage? We don't have any photographs. And it's like, wow. damn, I mean, wow. I was just, I, I, yeah, I felt floored that like, that like um, so much culture and, and so much important music history and everything just goes on recorded and and everybody goes to these shows and they get all fucked up and and uh and then you wake up the next day and it's all kind of a blur but like mm-hmm. and if, if if there's nobody there documenting that it could just be all forgotten you know well luckily i'm a bit of a narcissist and a shameless self-promoter and i've got how many photo albums do i have odell 40 50 oh. Easily, and then you had the online um, uh, photo albums as well. Yeah, on picture trail. Starting back from like 94 to now. And boxes of like VHS tapes of shows that I've, you know, all the different, not just my band, but all the different bands have done. And I just remember like years ago, like Lifestyle Rich and Famous, I saw Hugh Hefner on there and um, he went into this fucking vault. And he had photo albums. I mean, what I have is nothing. I mean, he had thousands of photo albums. Oh, wow. And he had people just basically documenting his whole life. And I was like, man, a thousand years from now, like when this society is ash and dust, someone's going to dig that up and think Hugh Hefner was like our world leader or something. Like he was our overlord. Because there's just this total record of everything this guy has done and his long, I think this guy's hitting what? Hugh Hefner's got to be hitting 80 now, right? At least. Easily in his oh, 80s, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, well, and he's got every... Are, are running to stuff now. Yeah, and I always felt like when I saw that, I was like, that's how... And this is before I started taking a lot of pictures. I was like, that's how I want to be, man. I want to leave, like, a legacy. And that's important to me. Is it important to you, Mormon, to leave a legacy? Or is it about the work? It, it is. It is important to leave a legacy. And there's... I get a certain level of comfort knowing that, like, after I'm gone, I'm still going to be young and partying and having the time of my life because I've uploaded videos all over the Internet, all of the DVDs I've made that that are archived. I'm in museum collections and everything. So long after I'm gone, I'm still going to be young and having the time of my life. You know what I mean? Yeah, there might be a Mormo statue downtown, like a thousand years from now, in like the public square, because they might think that you are some kind of overlord. Yeah, yeah, I've even that's something to aspire to. All righty, yeah, um, for sure. Let me shift gears here because talking about the work, and I feel like there's a, mm-hmm. a big pay it forward thing here, and I know you're an entrepreneur as well, but I'm looking at all these self help, and I've watched a few of them, these little. I don't even want to call them infomercials, but they're very informative. You know, make money. Really good. Yeah, yeah. and um, Mormo's Guide to Psychic Defense, brand yourself, just across the spectrum. And I'm looking at this. I'm wondering what kind of feedback do you get? I mean, do you get positive feedback? Do you get someone that's like, I used to like live in a dumpster with a crack whore, and now I own three hot houses and a yacht thanks to the Mormo system? Like, is it anything <laughs> like that? Or what do you what kind no, of are not, you getting from people? The self help stuff I do is is normal is is kind of just me keeping busy. You know what I mean? I like like I like I want to be working. I want to be like uh, you know I'm 
work for a living and, and, and put all as much work into my business as I can. And so a lot of times when like I just produce stuff like just to stay busy, you know what I mean? That's not, to me, that's not the most important stuff, but like the, um, the, um, well, it's, it's just so awesome putting your work out there and you never know how it's going to affect people. I'm, I'm the kind of guy, like I'll turn on TV and then I'll turn it off and try and talk to the people I saw on TV. But like the majority of America is not like that. They, they, they see something on TV or on the internet and they don't ever try and reach out. So there's a real randomness there that a lot of times I'll never know how I affected people or what happened and people do reach out and I've made some new friends already off of my Roku channel. But, um, but the, the, the great majority of people who see me, I'll never know anything about their life or, or, or or what my show meant to them. And that's just kind of part of art to me is you just create and put it out there. And then, um, and then, You'll you'll never know the full extent of the people you've reached and everything, you know. Well, I'm inspired well, you by, what, by what you do, and I wouldn't have you on the show if I wasn't. Like I said, I like having people on the show that light a fire under my ass because I see them doing something, and I'm like, man, like Mormo's got this channel on Roku, and we tried for months to do that. What like what are we doing wrong? Because he's got his channel up, so that just inspires me to push harder. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and. uh and 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 Roku is a great device. It's it's more like the Wild West. Like I had I had satellite for a long time, and I I tell them, hey, I want to be on TV. Like, how can I get on satellite? And they would just say, no, it's impossible. You never can. I did have a public access cable show on cable that um that was all over Idaho and parts of Oregon. But um, I mean it. it I'm sorry. Uh, I, I just I, I just skipped a groove. I've been drinking some beers. I apologize. Oh, you're cool, Odell. We got a little bit of delay. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, no worries. No worries. No, I know you were talking about how you're affecting people, and I know I was uh, reading up on some stuff and listening to some things from you, and you were talking about how, and I thought this was ingenious. How you started off, you were making buttons for the bands that you would see, and then when they would come back, you would actually give them those buttons. Do you? Do you still do, or do you still make those buttons? I know in your videos you wear a lot of them on on your um, on your vest and stuff. Or are you still do you still do that as well, or or have you moved on past that? I I don't have a button machine right now, and I do okay. think about making buttons all the time. But yeah, yeah, I just I I I loved music and I loved the scene. I the live music experience, like I said, just means so much to me. And I knew I wanted to be a part of it, so that's how I got my start. I just bought a button machine and the button parts, and then, and then I'd, uh, and then, and then just, and I would just give them away. And some of them were all handmade, and some I'd have printed up on the computer. And uh, and uh, that was that was just my my way of contributing because I I, I, didn't, I didn't just want to be an audience member watching. I wanted to be somebody who is helping build these bands and, and, and being a constructive part of the scene. And that's how I got my start and, and then moved on to video and I would do um, record shows and then I'd get invited to the after parties because they, people would want to see what I recorded so I could plug my camera right into the TV and everybody would watch the show that just nice. went on. And Nah, that's awesome. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I like totally epic parties. You know what I mean? The show's over, and then you're at the after party, and 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 uh, and 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 it just made me feel like a million bucks to be so close to such an awesome rock and roll experience. You know? But you that's need so cool. that, right? Like, I feel like that's encoded on our people like us, our DNA. And I'll give you mm-hmm. an example of how fucking warped I am. Back like 10 years ago when MySpace, are you kids out there, before Snapchat and Instagram, we had MySpace, I used to find <laughs> women that were like just budding actresses, brand, you know, kind of new to the scene. And I'd write them, I'd be like, hey, I, I love um, you know, Friday the 13th, part nine, you were awesome in it. 
And I and I had it in my head. I was like, man, I'm going to get a, in a romantic relationship with one of these women, start dating them, go out to California or New York. They're going to become famous, and I'm going to live it up the rest of my life. And I actually talked, <laughs> I talked to Zoe Dashiell. Me and her had a back and forth a couple times. This is way before she got big. You know, and it's like, but that's that was what was in my warped head. I was like, I'm just going to reach out to every like beautiful actress I see that's unknown and start talking to them. And obviously that didn't happen. But I've never been afraid of reaching out to people. And that's why I do what I do, man. I feel like I want to take my accumulated knowledge just like you get on the air because I am probably too old to go out and pound the pavement in a punk band and tour around anymore. But I've had, you know, I've had experiences. Odell has has had experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, Cootstown under our belt. I think um, with that experience, <laughs> we could get on the air now and just kind of put our knowledge out there and give back. Yeah. So it's like yep. giving back, yep. right? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you touched a lot of those ladies' hearts. You know what I mean? Because they were struggling and they just want to be noticed. Any attention they get is just going to further their career and their self confidence and everything. So mm-hmm. most of them didn't write me back. So I'm sure I just annoyed them. And he ended up getting blocked a lot because I'm a fucking pest. All right, let's talk about iMormo because I watched this and I'm fairly fascinated of your life. I mean, I thought I had a tough road. Man, and there's so much to it and so much meat in it. Like I said, I don't feel like there's any wall between you and the audience. Do you have any kind of um, self-consciousness about just totally putting yourself out there? Do you worry about, like, hey, this might interfere with a job I want to get a year from now or a relationship? Or is it just, like, full throttle, more mode, this is who I am, take it or leave it, let the chips fall where it may? Yeah, it's kind of a dual reality where where I'm not Shane Vozar talking about my personal problems and stuff, but I'm, but I'm this, like, clown slash horror host character. Uh, larger than life, so I feel like I can get away with more than I can. Like, 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 I, like I, I wouldn't introduce myself as somebody who worked in the pornography field and and was hooked on meth and all this. But like, but like, as the character, I'm more free. I'm more free to admit some of the darker stuff I've seen in my life, and um, mm-hmm. and 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 it. it, it it creates a separation, you know what I mean? Well, with all the trolls crawling out from under the bridge and jumping online, what kind of fan mail slash hate mail do you get? Do you, do you get a lot of interaction from the masses out there? Do you get a lot of hate mail because they're like, oh, it's so distasteful, how dare you? Like, what's that like? Well, actually, I just get a lot of free stuff. I get people wanting me, like, sending me their album to listen to and and uh and and people i i've i've like i've received a few hate mail especially in my zine days um i i was the most controversial member on my team and so if if i got reviews people would point out i got called anti-troop because i was protesting the war on terror when that was on and People were calling me anti-troop and and stuff like that, and um, and and I, for me it was a badge of honor. If, if if I'm if my art is affecting people so much they, that they that they reach out to me, then um, then then to me I consider it a win, you know. But for the most part, it's been it's been nothing but but support and free stuff. I just found, find out about new stuff all the time. And, and I love that, you know? Well, I mean, let's go down to philosophical rabbit hole here for a minute though. Um, you know, is, is this a situation where your life experiences have created you and kind of created this schism where you create this Mormo character, or is this something you think that's just encoded in guys like us, and we were going down this road regardless. There's no way you were shoving us into a nine-to-five, mowing our lawns, having 2.5 kids. That's just – we weren't hardwired for that. Or do you think we're just uh, some product of our experiences? Um, yeah, I, I, I think uh, – I, I, think, I, I, think, I think rock and roll is, is just – it was ingrained in me and, and – uh, 
and it just really moved me and uh and I did what I could I don't I, I can't I've I've tried playing instruments and stuff I just and I don't even really have a musical ear and so but but yet I have this need to be a part of the the big picture and so and so I do what I can and and as far as video and and a lot of people kind of don't get that like like oh you don't play an instrument or anything but you know my instrument is video and print and yeah stuff awesome. like that and you know I always said if I if I live long enough if cloning becomes a thing while me and my dad's still alive I'm gonna buy like five clones of myself and genetically like engineer five Nick clones as babies put them in good homes. And when they all grow up to be well-functioning adults, I'll be like, see, see what you did to me? Like, I'll have five, like, <laughs> clones of me that are successful and be like, see, this is all your fault, Dad. That's just a little fantasy I play <laughs> out of my head when I'm frustrated. Odell, yeah. would you like to add anything? Oh, I know. Um, I know you're talking – I know I, I was watching one of uh, the videos, and I'm a big trauma guy, and um, – so it was really cool when you had the director of Rednecks on. I thought that was really cool. Have you have you been able to get into any other trauma movies or, or um, uh, done any parts or uh, just off the cuff? Because I was, like, wondering that while I was watching the interview with you. Yeah, I grew up in San Diego, so I went to the San Diego Comic-Con every year growing up. Nice. And yes. I met – the first time I met Lloyd Kaufman, I was wearing a last – I was 14 – and I was wearing a Last House on the Left t-shirt. He was wearing a Surf Nazis Must Die t-shirt. And he looked at me and said, nice t-shirt. And I said, yeah, your t-shirt's cool too. And so and so I, I saw him yearly growing up. And, um, and, and that's kind of where I got the passion and, and some of my DIY spirit. That like anybody really can make a movie, you know what I mean? And and uh and 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 you can reach a large audience and and so and so i think um uh, like knowing lloyd and uh reading his books and watching his movies inspired me mm-hmm. yeah. to yeah make your own damn to movie do it myself that's it yeah man. exactly yeah all right so um you're out there you're doing this stuff you're getting influenced you're getting you know, noticed by people, you're getting, you're leaving that legacy. Do you feel like it's kind of like mission accomplished, or do you feel like you haven't even scratched the surface of where you want to be? Well, what's next for Mormo? Where do you take it from here? Because I haven't seen a whole lot of content coming out lately, actually. Yeah, I'm actually, and, and I apologize for that. I'm, I'm actually going through some big life changes right now. Um, I'm in a, I'm in a new city, and I'm actually in an entertainment capital. Uh, Branson, Missouri. Do you know about that place? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I moved there, and now I got like a five-bedroom house here, and I'm um, I'm working at the mall and doing magic at the mall and stuff, and like, uh, and so I'm probably the next step is to uh, is to make a Branson product, and nice. uh, and uh, uh, yeah, to capitalize on those opportunities make a Branson channel on Roku maybe next. But like, like the, the, and, and you were asking me like if Mormo was a lifeline or something. And it was because I was trapped in this tiny little town and, and like I couldn't relate to anybody and, and I didn't have anything to do that was fun. And so, and so working on Mormo, like really helped me to keep my sanity because, where where I was reaching people all over the world every day and and uh and making those new friendships and everything but but now now I'm in an area that actually has opportunity so I'm actually thinking about calling myself the Branson Whale and and kind of nice. covering um Branson news and the Branson shows and stuff and maybe starting a new website and uh and I'm sure Mormo will always be there and Actually, one of the uh, I I want to do some paranormal romance movies where I uh, I find a girl and uh, get her to come to my bedroom and we film some like paranormal romance scenarios in front of the green screen 
and uh and 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 there's there's all kinds of stuff I want to do but um with these new circumstances I'm in I want to capitalize on the showbiz aspect of my life and well, you've got the formula cracked, right? Because it's all about mm-hmm. generating content. And I said this 20 years ago, Adele, like I used to always get us, even if we weren't ready, let's just go play the show. And if we yeah, suck, yeah. then we get that sucky experience out of the way, but it's an experience, good or bad. And it really is about generating content. You just keep putting it out there. So many things in my life have happened randomly just because I feel like I've had the guts just to keep putting myself out there. And I'm going to connect with somebody and I'm going to connect with more people, and sooner or later, somebody in a in an industry or a field or a situation where I want to be, I'm going to connect with them, and I'm going to get to do some cool shit, which has already happened to varying degrees because I put myself out there and generate content, right? Yeah, and and I and I can burn DVDs, and I can do print magazines, and I can have my own Roku channel and all this. But one challenge there is that it's all through the punk rock aesthetic. You know what I mean? That's what I trained on. That's what I'm basically an expert at in my mind is, is the punk rock aesthetic. And so that can be a challenge to sell to people like, like, you know, do you want to be a movie star? I can make you a movie star. I can publish your book or whatever, but, but it's going to have that, that punk rock vibe, that DIY vibe to it. And, a lot of people are just waiting for a limousine to show up and, and they sign the contract and all this. But like, 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 so, so the challenge is, is how do you t- tell people that you can do it yourself and you can have your own movie that's just as real as any movie out there, but it's not going to be um, like a Hollywood level. It's, and, and so like 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 Branson's more of a country music town, so I, I gotta Absolutely. sell punk yeah. rock and right. But I mean that's the whole point is it has your individual voice, your unique voice. So you may be looking at it through the filter of oh, it's coming from the punk scene, this dirty, unacceptable counterculture scene. But really, it's just coming from your voice. It's no more dirty or less legitimate than anybody else's voice. You have a story to mm-hmm. tell. And if that story is Resonate. uncomfortable, it's, gonna, it's, gonna hit. Yeah. it's still a story, and it's a, still a story a lot of people are going to connect with. And that's what I believe is just getting your voice out there, your unique voice, and not conforming your voice to what you think people want. Because I definitely don't do that, and good or bad, you know, it just, w- once again, I let the chips fall where they may, and I think Odell does the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know, and I can't speak for you more, but I know on Branson, like you said, it's very it's very country. I know they're known for their the trains and the dinner trains and the theaters and all that stuff. But there's kids out there, man, that are hungry for for a voice like yours out there. I guarantee it. And um, so definitely do what you do, man. Don't definitely don't. Yeah, don't doubt yourself, uh, especially with the internet. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. in Tennessee. No. I'm I'm broadcasting from my bathrobe, from my bedroom, out in the mountains of Tennessee. That doesn't, like, encapsulate my voice. That doesn't keep me stifled and locked behind some kind of country, you know, middle-of-nowhere door. We've got the Internet now. People download the show from everywhere because it's on the Internet. So, you know, wherever you are, I think your voice matters. Yeah, and and I'm, I'm in a position where I can make people's dreams come true. You know what I mean? They say everybody wants to be in show business and like I have the skills and the equipment and everything to make people's dreams come true. It's just, you got to sell them. It's not going to be, it's not going to be Hollywood. You know what I mean? But it's going to be just as real. It's going to be just as real as anything that's coming out of Hollywood. It's going to be the real deal, you know? And that's important. I mean, we just had Sean Whalen from people under the stairs on the show Sunday And he's like, look, everybody, you know, I was saying in the beginning of that program when I was doing the setup, the thing I hear about Sean Whalen is what a nice guy he is, how down to earth he is, what a pleasure he is to work with, what a cool guy he is. And he's like, I don't think of myself as some famous actor. I'm a dad. I go to the grocery store when I'm off work. I pump my own gas. I'm just a guy who has a weird job. And that's how he looks at it. And it seems like the people who are able to resonate and connect with their audience and form the strongest bond with their audience are the people who don't see themselves 
kind of through the lens of I'm this big Hollywood type, no matter how big they are. And I've met quite a few people who are very well known and they don't think of themselves that way. They're just like, hey, this is my job and this is what I do creatively, but that's that doesn't define me totally as a person. So I think that's important. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's just it's 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 just reality. You know, if you can make if if you can make a movie or a CD or a magazine or whatever you want to do, you just got to realize that that you like really ha- it really happened and your dreams really did come true and everything and just keep working and and keep and keep moving forward with your creative desires and everything and Ah, uh, Mormo, Odell, are we living our dreams? Because I feel like we are. I think so. I think uh, I'm doing what I want to do, <laughs> um, and uh, and loving every. I love, I love it. I think everything is an experience. I take it as that. Um, you know, you're not gonna. You you have to keep learning until you die. That's the only way you stay young, like you were saying earlier, Mormo. You know, leaving stuff for the past so you can look back and check it out. But you're constantly searching for more. And it's really cool. I mean, it takes a lot of guts, man, to go from the West Coast to Branson, Missouri, even though that is, you know, a, a very entertainment-type area. But it's a totally different spectrum of of entertainment that you're looking at. And for you to, to make that move, that's huge, man. That takes, that takes a lot of balls, man. <laughs> yeah, I had a bag of dirty clothes. I threw them in my trunk and just drove right out here. <laughs> And let me tell you, the people that probably say negative things are probably the people who are the most secretly envious of you. That's what I've learned doing things like this, mm-hmm. is the people that give you the mm-hmm. most shit, secretly they're giving you shit because they're like, man, I wish – like I've had people tell me, like, what are you doing? You have a family. Why, like, why don't you – I turned down a promotion. I have a pretty decent day job, and I turned down a promotion at my day job so I could focus more attention at this. And you know what? It this led me to writing for a uh, news website, and I make almost as much doing that as the day job. And I, with the promotion, I never would have done that. Not that the money matters, but just if you quantify things by success, like I, I bet on myself, and it's paying real world dividends. And I think that's important. If I, if the listeners walk away with anything from this episode, I think they should walk away with bet on yourself. And I think that, you yeah, kind of have definitely. that message out there as well, Mormel. And that's what puts, once again, a fire under my ass, is when I talk, this show is what inspires me and what keeps me going. So I want to thank you for coming on tonight, Mormo. That was a long way of saying the show has come to its end. But please tell everybody where they can find you, because I know you're everywhere. Yeah, definitely. I'll put it out there everywhere and even throw some cash on it, too, to get it promoted properly. So, Nice. Where can everyone find you, though? Um, uh, com is a good place. Uh, I, I'm pretty active on my Facebook fan page. Um, so those two places would be great. My Roku channel, everybody can check that out and make the switch, man. Go ahead and cut that cable cord. Cause it, it, it's, it's the wild west on Roku and you can find all that weird stuff and there's room for you yeah. to be a star there too. So that's Very nice. nice. Alrighty, sir. I'd like to thank you for coming on tonight. Um, Odell, once again, thank you. Yes, it's sir. a pleasure doing this show with you. In two weeks, too, we are man. having Tom Kiefer from Cinderella on. So I am going to no. end the show with some 80s hairband metal with some Cinderella. And we'll, I, I think we're going to try to squeeze in a show between now and Tom Kiefer. I'll have to send my fillers out there and see who wants to come on. But if not, either way, end of the month, we'll have Tom Kiefer on. Mormo, thank you very much. Good night to everybody. Yes, thank you, Mormo. Awesome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.